Welcome to this episode of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we dive into Chair Entertainment's Shadow Complex, a 2.5D platformer. And in this episode, we had a very rare situation where Mike was finally proven wrong. I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. Look, yeah. Let me just say, I don't know how you expect them to have a narrative uh, element to it where it's like, oh, by the way, a voice of God is coming down and talking to your godlike character uh, and saying like, oh, easy. hey, by the way, guys, make sure easy. you rip out the shield underneath it and then shoot literally it with that. missiles. Literally that. That's what we want. And it no, happens what, in very many games. What can happen is the first time you go under it, you can hear the guy's voice saying, oh, it looks like there's wires there. I got to pull them out. Bam. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm one of your hosts today, Mo Murtadi. Uh With me are two other hooligans. Hooligan number one, Mr. Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about another great game, Mo. Yeah, another one. And next up is one of our favorite guest hosts, the return of the myth, the man, the legend. I might not have done that in the right order, but it's Mr. Kevin Rayburn. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So today, we guys, we have a neat little Xbox 360 classic, Shadow Complex, originally coming out for the Xbox 360, and then since then been remastered on almost every other platform. So we have the Mac, the Windows PC, PlayStation 4, and everything in between. Uh, Mike, h- did you know anything about this game? I know you suggested it, but like, what did you know before you played it? And uh, to let us know how you played it as well. Yeah, so I, I played this on the Xbox One, and I played the uh, Shadow Complex remastered version. Um, but my experience with Shadow Complex goes all the way back to its release in the summer of 2009, uh, when it was part of the Xbox Live Summer of Arcade. And that was back during the period where a lot of games didn't come out in the summer. Um, and while things have gotten a little bit better, back then Microsoft was making a big push to release a lot of more higher-profile Xbox Live Arcade games or indie games on the platform um, to help fill those summer months and make them exciting when they typically weren't. Um, And so I remember getting Shadow Complex the summer that it came out. I had a ton of fun, and it was the very first Metroidvania game that I've ever finished. So um, as the uh, guy who doesn't know too much about the backside of uh, gaming... What is a Metroidvania game? So I I, sh- I shouldn't even explain it because I don't know too much about it. I never played a Metroid game before, um, but from my understanding, it's just a sideways platformer with a person that shoots things. Uh, Mike, help us out, man. <laughs> well, what is a Metroid game? Well, I I think you I think you have part of it. So it's called, or these games are called Metroidvania games because they're inspired by both uh, the Nintendo game Metroid and the Nintendo game uh, Castlevania. Um, I think typically Symphony of the Night is the one that's held up as the high, high watermark. Um, and I believe it was also on the PlayStation. But don't fact check me. The reason that these games are called Metroidvania games is because you're exposed very early on to areas that you aren't able to get to uh, because you need a certain item or a certain weapon to get there. Uh, but as the game progresses, you unlock 
more abilities and skills that allow you to get to certain areas that you wouldn't have been able to get to previously, which provides a little bit of, you know, added added wonder at being able to find new things in old locations. Okay, so I, I guess I'll throw this question at either of you. What is this game? How do you play it? What are you? What's the user kind of seeing? How would you explain it in your own wicked way? So uh, to start the game, you are in this giant, well, not giant, it's, it's human-sized suit that has special capabilities, and you don't really know where you are. You're on, like, a street, and you have to kill the vice president if, if that's right uh like no, and you no, don't no. really you know why the vice or, president or or who's telling you to do these things you just do it you kill the vice president and then next thing you know you're a different character in the forest that kind of makes sense i sense a very defensive michael ruffalo shaking his head in disapproval mike what is this game in your opinion <laughs> it's it's just another example of you guys not paying attention to the story so uh in this in this beginning intro level uh, you're equipped with the character that has all of the power-ups. He is uh, the full version of the suit that you'll get later on in the game. And you are a colonel in the military uh, trying to prevent this uprising and save the vice president. And at the very end, he dies unable to save the vice president. Actually, yeah, that that is correct. I had that backwards. The, <laughs> the thing on the, the headset, it says... Oh, unfortunately, they already killed the vice president. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. To be fair, Kevin, when I first started playing it, I had that same, like, uh, I guess, understanding of it. Like, what is going on? I'm like this giant cyborg suit guy shooting around these people. I don't know what the storyline's going, what's happening. And the thing is, this time, it wasn't my fault because there was not any reading. It was all audio and it's kind of explained to you. It was just poorly explained and very ambiguous. <laughs> and now, Mike, I know you don't approve of this, but... After playing this game, I checked. I watched a couple reviews to see like what the perception of it. And another, per- the first review I saw, the same person was like, "What is the story? What's going on? We're saving the president. Whatever. The gameplay is okay. Let's let's pause on the the awesome story angle here. It's it's a story, maybe not the best. So I will absolutely give you that this is an absolute nonsense story. It's frankly the story of a of a. Your average man who, by the way, is also the son of some Pentagon colonel who decides to not live a life of military service, which, come on, that never happens. And then the second thing is he goes in the game essentially as a god character, can just absorb bullets like no one I've ever seen, um, even without insane armor, and goes on to single-handedly take down an entire army that was trying to take over the United States and create a revolution. Yeah, so it's it. I get to set it up even better too for people. So the game itself is a two-dimensional, I guess, platformer game. But the way they kind of word it and the way it's kind of perceived is also it's a two-point-five-dimensional game, meaning it's a sideways platformer. But there is a lot of depth that kind of tricks you into thinking maybe this is a three D game. Maybe you can move into the game and like towards the screen. But really, your only directional motions are to the left and to the right. There's no way to go into like the third dimension but it looks like it because of how it's portrayed you can shoot into the third dimension and that's mm-hmm. about it yeah exactly and that's a little bit of like visual 
uh, witchcraft as well. So when you start shooting <laughs> your enemies, they could be all the way farther away from you, and your guy will automatically like shoot at them when you point with a mouse or, a, I guess, the uh, if you're using a console as well. So the shooting and fighting is in three-dimensional at some points, but most of the time in terms of traversing the environment, you're going left to right on the screen itself. Mo, what did you play this on? Oh, I played it on Steam, um, my PC as well, mouse and keyboard. I found it pretty easy to shoot because of that mouse and being able to click anywhere. I, I watched some reviews and people were saying when they played the original, the, the Shadow Complex itself, they had not they had an okay time with the, the shooting and like targeting, but apparently it's better on the remastered version if you do have a mouse and keyboard, and I think that kind of makes sense because i never found it a challenge as well kevin where did you play it so i played it on the xbox one uh i did find it it hard to shoot into the screen um because it kept getting confused whether it was a target that was just within the same dimension or like a 2d dimension or into the screen uh i don't know with you mo if you had we kind of had like a laser pointer uh thing coming out of our gun to show us where we were aiming yeah, I had I had the same thing. Like with a flashlight, would also kind of point in the direction the guy was aiming at. But with me, there was like a crosshair, like reticle, like a circle with a dot in the middle, and that's where my mouse was going, and that's how I could aim. So I could easily like you move my mouse over and target someone in that third dimension and aim at them. So that's why I found it a little bit easier. You guys, I'm assuming, didn't have that. You just had the direction of the gun and a laser of some sort. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was a blue, red, or green laser, depending on the gun. Uh, and it pointed to the person you were shooting at. And you could see it going into the screen or along the screen. Gotcha. Um, so, Kev, did you know anything about the game before we kind of threw this on you and said, come on board for the podcast? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I saw, I, I Googled it. I said, oh, it looks it looks all right. And then I saw it was a, a Microsoft arcade game. What is that called? Xbox arcade? Xbox arcade game. So I was like, oh, okay, these are like indie-ish games. So should be fun uh but other than that I, I i haven't really seen too much of it yeah so it's funny you say that because you know we we call it an indie game but it was published by epic um which you know is, is at the time far from an indie studio um and especially now the the studio behind fortnite um one of the biggest games in the world um again hardly an indie but at the time, definitely the case. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Chair software. Have you guys heard of Chair before before playing this today? Uh, no, but didn't didn't they also didn't uh, Epic Games also make Gears? They did. They did make Gears of War. So this game was built on the Unreal Engine, as you can see when you load up the game. Um, but Chair software, or Chair the developers, um, is um, one closely tied to Epic Games, but two, they're also the people that made Infinity Blade, which was a very big, uh, long-running, I think, series on mobile platforms, specifically iOS and iPads, and were one of the first games to really show the graphical fidelity uh, that you can pull off in a game on an iPad. Is that that like slashing game on iOS that they like show at every keynote or whatever? Did, do people exactly play that, it. or is that just like, a, hey, look what we can do? It was it was like very wild, uh, wildly successful. Um, I think just recently, though, they pulled all Infinity Blade games from the store. Why is that? Do you know? Was it uh, too OP and people were killing people uh, at the beginning <laughs> of the game and towards the end and just no one could uh, counteract it like Fortnite? 
Yeah, it, it was it was a mythical item that was just too too important and too uh, too OP in the game. So so Kev's referencing the fact that Epic has now taken the Infinity Blade from in the Infinity Blade series and incorporated that into Epic's Fortnite, uh, and it was a weapon that was not received too well by the community because it was way too powerful. That is so funny because when I was doing research for the game as well, I looked up the previous games that the that they made as well. And uh, when I looked up Infinity Blade, the first like hits I kept getting was like Fortnite weapon, Fortnite weapon. I'm like, why is Fortnite <laughs> a part of this? Like, why? I want to know about this game, and it just kept talking about Fortnite weapon, Fortnite weapon. So I see they're just they're just grabbing from their uh, their trove of assets to bring back anything they can to bring life to it. It's like when uh, Microsoft called their AI Cortana, and I'm like, hmm. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, th- that's not the first tie that Shadow Complex or uh, Epic's Games has made to a previous game in their series in Fortnite. Um, if uh, From the very beginning, uh, I believe, um, one of the areas of uh, the Fortnite Battle Royale was a place that Kevin and I uh, affectionately call Flush 2 because it's right next to Flush Factory. Some other people call it Yonder Yard. Uh, and there is a um, Shadow Complex poster inside one of the buildings, um, which to, to me signals that these these worlds are not that far apart and that there's uh, a Shadow Complex in the Fortnite universe. But with all of that said, enough about Fortnite. Guys, tell me about your thoughts on Shadow Complex. Did you enjoy your time with it? What are the things that stood out to you? All right. Um, uh, just judging by what you've said so far, Mike... I uh, I think you're not going to like my opinion. Yes, yes, <laughs> give it, give it all. That's okay, Kevin. Um, you're entitled and, to a wrong opinion. It, yes, I am. That's and trademarked so, by Michael Ruffalo and Michael Ruffalo Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I feel like it was a it was a really well done game. It was very polished and and like and beyond anything else I've played. That's a a two D platformer. It's just not my cup of tea, I guess, is how I would politely put it. Dig it in deeper. Stick that dagger <laughs> in. What what yeah. was not to your liking? Why did you not like it? Let's, let's see what we can, we can find out. So, okay, from right from the beginning, we kind of touched on this. Um, the story, I was just so confused. The first thing, <laughs> the first thing you do is, again, I was confused if I was killing the vice president or saving him because I was shooting police, I think. Or like armored, some kind of some kind of special forces of some kind, yeah. and like they're they're obviously armored, and there's lights everywhere. I can see where the confusion comes from. It's it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, and then they just send you to this like random forest. So I was like, oh, maybe there's like three or four different stories that we play, and then they all come together or something. And then the girl that you're with just like, oh, I'm gonna go climbing down this cave. You can't go because like I'm better than you. And she goes down, and then you're like, wait. Five seconds later, you're like, where is she? I'll go down and chase her. And you go down, you find her backpack. And then you're like, there's just a giant base here. Let's go inside. (laughs) Yo, I I absolutely agree. The story is utter nonsense and makes very little sense. Um, Especially as you progress in the game, you get further and further down into this base. And you realize there's like 20 or 30 stories beneath the ground a massive base with you know pentagon black ops level uh weaponry just hidden just giant spider tanks and 
uh, Apache helicopters with big miniguns mounted on them. Yeah, um, that's another question I had uh, playing all these video games and stuff. Where do evil villains get their like contractors? Like who who <laughs> is in the construction industry and and like was like oh yeah I'll do this secrets? yeah yeah well first off who there was like a million people in this base that you had to kill or eight hundred and eighty two as the stats say um, <laughs> I thought it was once you share your secret with one person it's no longer a secret. I think, Kev, you're looking a little too deep into it, which I do all the time as well. It's like, man, these guys definitely have families. They definitely are posting on Instagram. There's definitely a Snapchat story in that base somewhere. How did this not leak out? I totally understand. I'll give them the justification that it did come out in 2009. Maybe there wasn't that much like leaking or the story couldn't travel as far. So that's what I'll toss over as like a middle ground. Yeah, and I get I mean, it. Mo, you should you should know, though, that like... You know, we we had an inside job in 2001, and, and, and that didn't stop it from leaking out, right? Yeah. So clearly, in 2009, if if there was uh, another inside job like this, you know, of course it would get out. So I Mike, totally I'm, buy I'm it. throwing a bone at the Fortnite developers, man. Like I'm I'm helping them make sense of this. Stop digging them back down. <laughs> well, we're we're also living, or we're also in that universe where there's jetpacks and things that make you run super fast and all that. So I guess. <laughs> a lot of it isn't believable. I guess I shouldn't question the things like how do you build a giant base underwater um, <laughs> and how do you keep that big of a secret? Yeah, I think you absolutely have a, uh, need to have a suspension of disbelief as you go through this. Um, if not for the very fact that the, the guy that you're playing as who is voiced by Nolan North, like every other protagonist in that time period of game development is also just like a god. He's able to shoot with insane precision and soak up bullets like no one I've ever seen without, you know, needing a med kit. Wait, your guy was able to shoot with insane precision? Uh, you know, <laughs> that brings up a really good point. I definitely found shooting in this game much harder uh, the second time around. But I remember the first time that I played this, uh, I was able to precisely shoot my shots, um and make sure that I took my time and, and go for headshots as much as possible. Kev, I think this falls into a typical problem that you have with games with guns where you just you just can't land your shots. Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying, Mike, but I, I think it also it's part did you, I'm assuming you guys both played it with the Xbox controller and there has been like comments saying it's a little bit trickier than mouse and keyboard, so we'll give him we'll give him that. But th- you I, I don't want to uh, pivot Thank right you. away, but you're welcome. I don't want to pivot right away, but this kind of brings up that one question. What difficulty setting did everyone play it on? I'll start with myself. I played it on the easiest of easy because the option was, <laughs> do you want like a challenge for normal or do you just want to hear the story? I decided I want to hear the story and I was greatly disappointed because I should have played it a little bit trickier because I was invincible. I I don't think no I joke. lost a single block of health. So there's like blocks that you can earn as you collect items. I don't think a single one dropped below something unless I went into like a heat wave that melted me completely, but I not, nothing could take me down. I was just unloading guns. I was walking up to people, punching them in the face, judo tossing them. Um, <laughs> Mike, what level did you play it on and how did you find it? Uh, I played it just above normal because I had beaten this game previously and I wanted a little bit more of a challenge. Um, I think that was a bit of a mistake because it took me quite a bit longer than I wanted at the end to get through it. Um, but you know, I, I felt like it was a good difficulty level for me. And even then, I did feel like my character, um, I'm blanking on his name because he's that memorable. 
uh, was, you know, he was essentially just a gigantic bullet sponge who was able to walk into a room, judo chop, drop kick, and uh, at the same time, you know, pop someone in the head with uh, with a bullet like no one I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Kev, uh, how did you play it? What level did you play it on? And how did you feel? Okay, so I chose normal because I was like, well... I guess this is the normal way to play the game. I'll, I'll play it on normal. I'm not too good at aiming and shooting. So I did, and I found it, at most times, super easy. Um, there were some some bosses that I found uh, incredibly hard to defeat with the level of difficulty, but I managed to get past them with like four or five tries. Okay, I want to kind of touch in on those bosses because you mentioned it just there, and it's a nice little transition. Did you guys find... Okay, I found them all extremely easy just because I spammed every kind of explosive launcher I had at the time. (laughs) Specifically, not to jump too far forward into like other weapons, but the little sponge explosion um, foam. foam thing. That thing that like froze them for a bit. That was the ultimate like nuke, I guess. How, how did you guys find fighting them in general? Yeah, so I, I think it bears saying that, you know, we mentioned earlier that it's a Metroidvania where you unlock new weapons abilities as you go. And one of the things that you unlock are different types of weapons. You unlock grenades first, then you unlock foam, which allows you to destroy different elements in the environment and get to new areas, but also allows you to essentially freeze different opponents and enemies. Um, and then you also unlock missiles. Um, what I found is that just because I found so many grenade upgrades, I was lobbing grenades left and right um, whenever a, a fight became semi-difficult, when I wasn't able to take them down in a very short period of time. And those grenades did you know more than enough damage to, to get me through the game without much hassle. I I never used the foam, like you guys were saying. I either just used the grenade... Or the grappling gun to get a place where I would like where they couldn't reach me, or the rock, uh, the missiles at the end. But I never use the foam except for opening up vents and well, the scanners. Well, I guess the benefit maybe uh, Kev for using the foam for a lot of those like walkers. Uh, one thing I want to mention: I felt like a lot of these bat bosses were very. Um, Metal Gear Solid esque for anyone that's played them. <laughs> they have these giant like walker type crab slash mechs kind of thing that kind of attack you. They look like they're autonomous, but there might be some pilots inside on some of them. Um, that those ones, especially because they had actual limbs to walk with, no like wheels. If you shot them, usually they'd freeze up, giving you an opportunity to go into maybe a vulnerable point and like blast them away that way with grenades. With my difficulty level, most of the time I didn't. I was just tossing grenades anywhere near it and just hiding because I would not die. I took almost no damage a lot of the times. That's what the foam was kind of used for. Uh, So a lot of those walker things, they were conveniently placed right above an enemy. So you'd shoot them and they'd fall down and blow up. That's what I, pretty much how I killed those ones. Yeah. Oh, I think you're you're talking about two different types of walkers. So there's these little kind of crab robots that walk along. I don't think they shoot you. 
and but they do explode and prevent you from getting to different areas. There, there are versions of it that shoot foam at you and and shoot uh, uh you know electric pulses and things like that. But for the vast majority, they're kind of just a little nuisance that don't re- that doesn't really do much. They're just annoying that they exist there. Um, but then there are other far larger walkers that are like two 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 legged bipedal robots, um, kind of like a Metal Gear that. Um, you know, Mo, I think, brought up, and I, I definitely did the same strategy of hitting them with those foam uh, cannons to kind of freeze them in place so you could totally unload from them without having to worry about them stomping on you. Okay, Mike, you kind of tiptoed across one of the most annoying things for me in the game, and it is that <laughs> one little tiny crab that shot foam and froze you. I, so I, I came in once again on the easy mode. I was indestructible. Nothing could stop me, slow me down. But a little tiny crab froze me for a good three seconds, slowing down my momentum. I've never closed a game so fast before after getting shot with that a couple times. That was that was essentially the worst thing in the game for me. It was getting stopped by those tiny, insignificant crabs that shot foam. I I 100% agree with you. Those were the most most annoying thing especially when you couldn't see them on your screen and you just kept getting shot by them uh you could press like b on xbox a lot to to break out of it but then as soon as i did i don't know if i'm not tapping fast enough i got shot by another one yeah and they come comically slow at you too and a little bit tricky to dodge so i totally found those walkers to be you know annoying um i didn't so i I got the tooltip that said hey if you jump underneath them you'll be able to disable the shield and then, uh, you know, be able to attack it with missiles, and it'll go down way faster. Um, but I never found out how to rip out the shield underneath, so I ended up just destroying it with chip damage, slowly. What about you guys? I finally know what walker you're talking about. The very, the very tall one that just either stomped on the ground, shot you with those frozen thingies, or just shot at you. Exactly. So, I also... So, first off, I'm like Mo. I don't read. So, when that first (laughs) thing came up, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to read this before it disappears. And then I died the first time, and then the second time came in, and I read it 90%. To clarify... Mo reads. I read in real life. That's a lie. That That's a in lie. In video though. games, in yeah. video games, and I know Kevin, you kind of you're say, articulating the same thing. But just in case people are new to the podcast, I find it irritating when there's just random text on the screen, and I have to follow it along, or there's a cutscene, and there's all you have to do is read stuff to get the information you need. Just tell it to me. Hire some talent. Hire someone to just read How it out loud you have to, to be keep engaged the, in the product. To keep that you're the game going. With. Games are supposed to be fun. Games are supposed to How keep the action. You going. be asked to engage why, in interactive entertainment. Why, oh. If I wanted to read something, I'll go pick up my favorite book, Cat in the Hat, and I'll read that all day, every day. <laughs> because yeah, I'm not doing that, I, I want audio. That I wasn't like saying the most that you don't know said. how to read. <laughs> or I wasn't saying that you don't know how to read or that you don't like reading. I was just saying that when text comes up in a video game, I'm like, it can't be that important. Or else they would just tell me it. So I'm going <laughs> yeah. to skip it. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. Well, let me just say, I don't know how you expect them to have a narrative 
uh, element to it where it's like, oh, by the way, a voice of God is coming down and talking to your godlike character uh, and saying, like, oh, easy. hey, by the way, guys, make sure easy. you rip out the shield underneath it and then shoot literally it with that. Missiles. Literally that. That's what we want. And it no, happens what, in very many games. What could happen is the first time you go under it, you can hear the guy's voice saying, oh, it looks like there's wires there. I got to pull them out. Bam. Checkmate. Kevin Rayborn easy. for the win. Yeah. Okay, so armchair designers. <laughs> so the way I defeated this this boss was because I it said you need to pull out the wires, which I had no clue. We just got the grappling hook when that happened. So I was like shooting the bottom of it with the grappling hook and nothing happened until one time I shot the ceiling. And so all I did was stick onto the ceiling, shoot down at the, the thing. Uh, it would stomp on the ground, which would take you off the ceiling and onto the walker itself and i'd shoot the ceiling again look down start shooting at uh the walker it would stomp the ground fall on the walker shoot the ceiling again kept going for about five minutes and then it exploded (laughs) i was in a similar boat only i wasn't hanging from the ceiling but that does bring up a really interesting point at least for me was having infinite ammo not just the best thing yes Oh my oh god, my it god. was so nice to be able to just walk into any room, refill on the, the ammo that you needed, whether it was specialty or not, and then be able to just unload on whoever you stumbled across next. I very rarely went through all of my ammo. I always had a ton because I found upgrades along the way. But even just having infinite ammo in the one weapon that you were carrying was so nice. Yeah, it, I, I can't emphasize that enough. That was one of the greatest things they could have made. If that wasn't the case, if I had to run around collecting ammo, that would have been me sending you guys a message saying, I'm not finishing this game. I'm not looking <laughs> for ammo. I, I Let me just unload. It felt really good to just be able to shoot, shoot, shoot all day, every day, and not have to rely on that stuff. But one thing that kind of plays with that, too, is initially when you first start like swimming, because there's some parts in the level where you have to dive down underwater to navigate the, the areas, you had that like air bubble thing that tells you you have to come up before oh, you can breathe. that was so annoying. Oh, that was one of the things where I said, this is one of the things I really hate. I mentioned it, I believe, with Super Mario... No. It might have been Super Mario Galaxy or another game that we played where underwater has breath. I can't stand that. Give me a little receptacle to breathe all day, every day, and then my dreams came <laughs> true like an hour into the game. You get the, what's it called, Aquaman mask, and you're able to breathe underwater permanently. Which, let me just point out, is the dumbest looking mask there is. Yeah, like, it works. Yeah. Oh, it is so, sorry, from, again, like, maybe I'm taking a bit out of your book of, like, not having my suspense of disbelief happen Mm -hmm. but like the mask covers his eyes and it covers pretty much his entire face and there is no no spot on it that you could see where there's a camera that he'd be able to see where he's going or he'd be able to do anything it it looks just incredibly stupid does not look functional um i i thought i thought it looked real dumb it seemed like they just didn't want to animate his mouth every time he talked or his eyes that's that's a very interesting insight uh, because there's no visual camera or anything, I'm going to say it's like echolocation, a.k.a. dolphin slash bat slash any type of whale navigating with the clicks that you can't hear because it's so high tech. Remember, these guys have like a CIA on steroids underground division. I'm sure they figured out how to be underwater if they have all that stuff installed. Yeah. Who's the uh, blind superhero? Uh, Daredevil? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he was just seeing everything in fire. Right. Yes. 
just just the daredevil in this in this universe. Although, like honestly, nothing su- should surprise me based on the number of bullets this guy can absorb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're we're giving even a... before he has the suit, which I guess brings me to one of the things I wanted to ask you guys. Was there any one piece of the suit that you collect as you progress through the game that you were like, oh my god, this is a game changer, I love this? I kind of had something, but it wasn't really that big of a deal. The jetpack, just getting that extra jump. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the double jump and anything. Maybe Mario has spoiled me with the double jump. But when you first start off, you only have the single jump up forward. That jetpack kind of made my life a little bit more amusing, just being able to boost anywhere in the game once you had it. That was another thing, if I can just uh, go back a bit, that was another thing that I disliked about the game, was once you got another piece of the suit, there wasn't that many like uh, specific suit tasks that you had to do. Like, uh, in learning how to use it to its fullest capabilities. When you got the running thing, yeah, there was one thing you had to break, but that was about it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's like one of those like quick little tutorials on how to master that new weapon or way of like traversing the area. There wasn't really anything like that. You've kind of got it, and then you had to like kind of find a way to more or less test it yourself and learn how to play it. Yeah, so that way, like, I didn't. I don't know if I use the each of part of the suit to its fullest capabilities because I just kept going. I just followed the blue line really yeah. throughout the whole thing. And now the blue line being the once you have a new objective or a location to reach on the map, there's like a line on your map that shows you, I guess, the happy path. Or maybe I think it was the only path to get to the location you're playing. There are some, I think, holes and things, but it was not the only path because um, there was one part where uh, there was a grate that needed to be um, exploded. So it was a green one, I think. And... um, it was easy to make it explode going down it, but going up it, you couldn't. So anytime you went to a save room, or like a room that had a star in it, it reset that. So I couldn't make it up in that one room. So I had to find other ways to get get around to follow the blue line. The reason I ask, guys, um, about what element of the suit you thought was, was your favorite or that you liked was I loved having the super speed. I thought it was such a cool power in the suit, being able to just sprint past everyone and just run people over. But also, I love being able to get through this map so much faster. It was any time I found a stretch, um, I was just sprinting. And I would hate running into a wall that would stop me, or a wall that I couldn't run upside down on uh, and continue on forward. Or run through a door and then instantly get killed because of super heat or electricity or something that you just fell into that you didn't Man, know was on the other side you had some bad luck very bad luck there's one where you're underwater and you go through a door and you're no longer underwater and there's five enemies waiting for you yeah so with me, so with me mike i kind of have the opposite of that point of view with uh, the super speed because i had the super easy uh difficulty setting i was doing that more or less regardless running through any level shooting people down running up to them judo tossing them and flipping them um so when i got the super speed it wasn't something that was like oh okay i can navigate quicker it was more so like okay it's a feature that i'm probably not going to really use that much because i'm already going through each section really fast and one-shotting almost every single person um but with the traversing sorry to add this last one 
I started getting really annoyed when I had to traverse the same locations to get to another checkpoint on the map with no like fast traveling or moving like quickly to a, pl- a new place. That was kind of getting annoying because I, I really didn't care for any repetitive location. Did you guys find any like annoyance with that at all? Or how did you guys feel with the overall flow? I loved going back to areas I'd been to previously or early on in the game and finding new areas that I could unlock and little passages that I could get into. Um, Because for me, it was so rewarding to find all of these little hidden treasures in places that I felt I had already explored and knew well. Um, It's the same rush that I get playing a Metroid game. Um, And and yeah, it it kind of gave me a little bit of nostalgia and, and, and felt really great. I think I hindered myself with that easy difficulty because whenever I got those upgrades for the grenades or the health or anything, they didn't really help me because I was already like indestructible. My bullets went through everyone. So when I went through those levels, there was a bunch of things I'd seen in a corner of my eye and I'm like, that's not worth my time. Like I've gotten three of these grenade crates. I haven't noticed a single benefit so far because a grenade is going to blow up anyone anyway. So that might've been my kind of because I chose the easy difficulty, maybe I annoyed a lot of other parts of the game that I should have. If it was a challenge, maybe I would have liked more. Yeah, I only found the value in the health ones because the more health I have, the less likely I am to die. But all the grenades and stuff killed everyone. And the other thing was once you get the full suit or right when you're about to get start getting the final parts of the full suit, you start facing off against everyone who has the full suit. And those guys were pretty easy to beat on normal all you have to do is keep backing up and shooting them until no you get challenge. faced with the two guys with the full suits that are that are on either side of you yeah and then you just keep backing up one way until you get too close <laughs> and you back up the other well the, one of the things about facing those guys i don't know if it happened on your difficulty was if you get too close to them they give you a giant super punch and it kills you no matter how much health you had yeah so the the thing that I had to learn was keep a few bullets left in the in the magazine, and then when they shoot their I guess taser beam cannon uh, and those little bursts, you can destroy that with bullets. You just need to make sure you hit them. Um, so I just got really good at destroying the bullets that they were shooting at me, and then switching over to whatever specialty weapon I had and launching as many as I could as quickly as possible. Yeah. Oh, that brings me back to, I just remembered, my favorite part of the suit is, uh, I think when you first get your boosters on your feet, uh, after you jump and you press crouch, you do this, like, superhero dive bomb (laughs) down to the ground uh, with your fists in the ground, and it makes, like, a big explosion. I didn't use that in in battle or anything. I just did it to have fun, really. Yeah, I, I totally sympathize with that. I never found a group of enemies that I tried that on. Um, although I did do a lot of running up next to a group of enemies and like grabbing them by the, the necks and smashing their heads together yeah. and then running off to the next guy. Okay. I just, I can, compl- I can't believe I forgot this, but I have a note in my notepad that reminded me and you guys just started talking about something relating to it. So very early on in the game. So when you kind of find out that princess peach is being captured, AKA your spouse or wife or girlfriend or whatever, you walk up to this like video camera of her being interrogated and she gets punched in the face and they show it. Maybe that's yeah. not significant to you guys, but I feel like in every game, no matter what, call of duty, 
Gears, things, oh, maybe not Gears, but like any other game, whenever there's like a crazy moment of violence, like a gunshot to the head, it's always like a cutscene away. Like once you hear the gunshot, it moves away. Something like that, I feel like is also like you see the hand swing and then it cutscenes away. They actually show it and I had to kind of catch myself saying like, whoa, 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 that was <laughs> uncomfortable. I don't play a game, but it kind of got super real at that point. I'm like, totally this is really not. messed up. Did yeah. you I guys catch that? I completely agree. Yeah, it made me super uncomfortable to see her get hit. Yeah, like a um, like a full grown man, full punch in the face, and I know it's a video game, so people are listening to this. It's like it's just a video. No, no, no. It's you never see it in really games, except if you're playing like Mike Tyson's Punch Out or something. But it 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 was definitely a whoa kind of moment that kind of started the game up. I think the other thing that makes it so uncomfortable, like not only does it feel like a punch, like a real full on punch. But it's it's also just like violence against women and someone who is clearly not like a threat and someone who also couldn't give information to the person who was asking for it. Yeah. So it just felt she felt she looked so defenseless and it, it seems so unjust that it just kind of like my stomach clenched up. I, I didn't feel good about it at all. You know what it is, too? I think maybe it also comes into play because you you at that point early on in the game you just know her as your significant other just like a helpless person who's been captured by these like soldiers so like what could she provide no spoiler alert at the end of the game you find out maybe she's not who she said she was she was maybe a special agent of some sort and then it kind of was like oh okay i see what was going on but that's i think the reason why it kind of catches you off guard because Black Widow in the Avengers gets punched in the face all the time, but no one really kind of cringes <laughs> or anything because it's like she's a warrior. She's part of that. But I think that's also comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was just like an average hiker. Yeah. Happened to find an evil lair, which I, I, I'll i go back to the story. I was so lost when she's like, yeah, I'm not who I said I was. I'm part of whatever. And I was yeah. like, okay, yeah, this just pile on the confusion. The story is laughable. Like, there's something so funny about this this revolutionary movement that is trying to take control, and the two targets that they're going after are New York and San Francisco. Yeah. Like, I, I understand San Francisco is a big uh, financial hub on the West Coast, but it does not seem like the locus of political power and uh, an economy in California. Um, so I, I just it seemed really funny that San Francisco was the place that they were going to take over in violent revolution, and New York also seems like a pretty weird place to go and do that. Yeah, and it you said laughable, which made me think about about this is when that final I don't know if you guys want to get into the final sh- ship that comes out of the water, but the final ship comes out of the water and goes through a cutscene, and this was I laughed out loud when I heard this. It was like this guy speaking over the like. PA system saying, oh, the intruder stopped us from our movement, but we're not going to let it stop us. And then he said, I think I wrote this down almost word for word. America was once the greatest country on earth. It was and will be again. (laughs) (laughs) That that, kind of reminds me of someone. And I'm, I I guess I won't say the name, but uh, it's funny that they're the evil villains in this video game. (laughs) It, it it is uh, an absolutely hilarious story. Um, there there's nothing more funny than than trying to piece this together and have it make sense. But with all of that said, I love the gameplay of it, and and I think Mo, you know, I I don't blame me for playing it on easy mode to try and you know 
have your your experience with it. But I definitely think you lose a bit of it when you don't have the challenge there. One hundred percent. I think that I can see that for sure after our, our little chat here. Um, one thing I kind of want to mention now, Mike. I, I want you to chime in and correct me because you're the Xbox whiz in our little group that we have here. Um, Xbox Live Arcade originally came out being like the easy access to anyone that wants to play casual games, pick up and play, kind of buy arcadey style indie games from Microsoft. Is is that a good, I guess, quick explanation of how they brought that product to the market? Um, yeah, it, it was really trying to provide an avenue for downloadable games. Yeah. And for games that were smaller in scope that didn't, you know, couldn't support a full disc release. Yeah, so I, I kind of did a, I did a little bit of poking around to kind of like freshen myself up because I came, I lived that PlayStation life from PlayStation 1 to PS4 and now with uh, PC. So when I looked into it, they kind of mentioned that that this is the game obviously came out for Xbox Live Arcade and originally the whole goal was to have games that were 50 megabytes in size which is if if you're not too familiar with game development that's a very small 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 size for the the video games Orig- initially it also got bumped up slightly up to uh, I think it was like 100 or so megabytes. Then that doubled and went to about 350 or so. And to the final point where Xbox Live Arcade games had a cap of about 2 gigabytes. Um, so when I learned about that, it kind of made sense. I'm like, okay, they had a limited amount of data they can use to make a full-fledged game with awesome sound, awesome thing. I think they did a great job with the limitations of like what mm-hmm. you can put into a video game. And they also wanted to keep it pick up and play this game i think hit a home run with you can play it whenever you want and just keep playing any mission any level if you're looking for a story a full kind of full-fledged game like gears of war you won't get that in really an xbox live arcade game unless mike you can kind of throw one out there that someone can play (laughs) but it's kind of like made to be a small little pick up and play have some fun don't think about it too much just like just like if you want to play poker or anything like that it's that type of game. Just pick up and play and just don't think about it, more or less, is what I've understood from Xbox Live and Shadow Complex in general. I, I think it says a lot that Chair went on from making Shadow Complex and Xbox Live Arcade games uh, to making games for iOS um, because there are a lot of similar constraints. You know, you've got a, a set hardware platform, you've got a limit on the amount of resources you can use, and there's only so much space, so you have to have real economy, not only in design, but in, um, you know, in, in assets. Um, and I think they did a fantastic job. I thought the world that they built um, looked fantastic, like it, not from a, a graphical quality, but from a, like, level design quality, it looked really cool. And it, you know, it. I wouldn't always say that the level made sense as you went through it, but I thought it, you know, it had kind of a real sense of what part of the compound are you in. Yeah, well, I remember I came into it not knowing anything, completely blind, just downloaded the game, started playing it. And after finishing it, I was comparing it to those AAA titles, the Gears of Wars, the Halo, the Call of Duties, things like that, those type of caliber games. And that's where I was like, oh, this is kind of a really bad, bad game. But then once I learned about those limitations, I'm like, ah, okay, to be honest, not that bad. Actually, visually appealing, like pretty much repeating what you're saying, Mike. I was like, this is a pretty solid game if it was like limited to being on Xbox Live initially in general. Yeah, so maybe maybe I'm I, I was a little too uh, too out there with with my opinion. Yet you guys have convinced me that this is like a good game for what it is. Maybe I just don't like these types of games. Maybe uh, that's uh, it. 
you know what, Kevin? I don't want to chime saying like this is a great game because I'm in your book. I didn't think it was that great of a game. I didn't really like it because I wanted to play something bigger and better. And when I even say that it's good because it's the limitations, all of that, I feel like that's almost a negative because I'm saying it's good, but I understand the limitations and it was built like this. It's a qualified good. Is what Ex- you're exactly. Saying. Yeah, good. Exactly. That's exactly what it is, um, which doesn't make it a really great, great, great game. But within its constraints, it's a fantastic game. Yeah, it's a yeah, but. <laughs> uh, boys, any final thoughts on Shadow Complex or anything else you guys want to chime in about? Uh, you know, honestly, for me, Shadow Complex is a game that I would recommend to most people, especially if they have uh, the Game Pass. It's it's free to download, um, or it comes as part of it. Um, it's a game that when I played originally back in 2009, I did over the course of a summer. I hopped in, I hopped out. It was a great way to, to spend some time to feel like I was making progress throughout. And there's a real magic in the Metroidvania-style design where you get to experience areas you thought you knew perfectly well and find new nooks and crannies and things to discover in it. So if you're a fan of Metroid games um, or Metroidvania-style games, I think this is a great thing to hop into. Um, but clearly, it, it's not for everyone. But I, I definitely enjoyed my time with it again. Uh, Kev, uh, any final thoughts or your opinion, I guess, overall with the game and how you felt about it? Yeah, so I think I'm going to stay with my, my opinion. It uh, it was very smooth and it looked nice and it was fun going through the map and, and finding my way around, killing enemies, all that. But it's just it, it just didn't do it for me um, overall, I mean, I guess. It was just I kind of wanted to just get it done. I hear you. I was kind of in the same boat. Um, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but one thing I do want to add is if you haven't played it and you're playing on PC, I'd almost want to leave this behind. It's not something I would really suggest putting your time into. If you have an Xbox One console and it's free to play and you want something that you can just pick up and play, maybe that's an option if it was free or a couple dollars. But overall, my suggestion is, yeah. There's there's other there's other things that can take up your time uh, better than um, Shadow Complex. I guess that kind of wraps it up for us, uh, Michael. If people want to join the conversation, I know we have a little platform that they can test out or play on. Uh, where can they go? So if you want to join the conversation, there uh, there are a couple ways you can do that. One, you can go to leftbehindgame.club. There's a big fat button to join our Discord server. A lot of cool people in there. Um, Kev is one of them. And the there are a lot of people dropping hot deals, talking about the games they're playing, talking about industry news, all kinds of stuff. Um, the other area to join the conversation is on Twitter. Um, you can find us at uh, Left Behind Club and uh, shoot us a message. What games you want us to play? What game? What you thought of uh, Shadow Complex or any of the other games we've played? Um, and you can usually find find us there. You can find me on all social platforms at RuflowM on most social areas um, or on my personal website, michaelruflow.com. Mo, where can the people find you at? You can find me at mmertati on almost all social media platforms or mmertati.com. Kevin, where can the good folks find you? You can find me at leftbehindgame.club. Is that what it is? On the Discord. <laughs> on the Discord. I'll yeah, Ke- Kevin is one of our active members on our Discord. That's why we love having him on. Um, Michael, take us home. And that's one less game left behind. Mm-hmm.